Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello and welcome along to this week's instalment of the Forza Italian Football Podcast. It's been a busy week of calcio with the Coppa Italia quarterfinals getting underway, as well as the usual Serie A action. Um, I'm going to start things off by apologising for my voice, which might be coming across a little bit different. A bit of plane travel over the weekend always means that my voice suffers when my throat gets congested and it's disgusting. So extra pressure is on Nicholas Carroll to carry us through the next half hour or so. Nick, are you up to the task? Good day, everyone. Um, I will do my best. I'm a little bit more excited today because it's, well, in Australia anyway, it is now the 26th, so it's Australia Day. So um, happy Australia Day to everyone out there who comes from down under. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll do my best to give it a bit of energy and try and fill the gap. Okay, um, Nick, what is Australia Day? What is Australia Day? Yeah. It's, um, it's a national day for Australia, just celebrating the country. I've never heard of it. Is that like the way we have St. Patrick's Day over here? Yeah, I guess. It's our equivalent. Like, we get a public holiday, everyone just has a barbie, plays some cricket, and has beer. Okay. Yeah, we we all go get pissed and watch a terrible parade in Dublin. <laughs> so I suppose it makes sense for you guys to have one as well. Right, so let's crack on. Um, we'll just run through the Coppa Italia results. Two of the four quarterfinals have been played. Tonight, Juventus beat Milan 2-1. Uh, Pella Dybala and Merlin Pjanic gave Juve the lead before Carlos Baca scored a brilliant goal to pull them back. Uh, Nick, just on this, Juve have lost to Milan twice this year and now they finally got one over on them. 
do you think it was important for them to get this win over Milan to kind of break that bad run of results against them? Um, I mean, I, to be honest, I don't think it would have been playing on their minds that much, um, just given the general mentality of Juventus as a club. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's good to get one over them as always. You know, even with Milan as they are now, they're not the team that they were in recent in years that have gone. But, um, you know, it's always good to get a win over them. But I, I don't I don't think there was that much um, in the back of their minds, to be honest. And I think they were just happy to get on with the job uh, like a normal week, really. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things to come from this game, for me anyway, was that uh, Paolo Dybala scored again. And he's hit a real rich vein of form for Juventus. I think that could be his... Is it a sixth or seventh in his last seven home games or something? I saw a stat over the weekend. And when you've got him hitting a bit of form with Higuain up front, Juventus still, even though the point is, or the difference at the top is only one point, they still look like they're in pretty good shape to go on and win the Scudetto. Um, Elsewhere in the Coppa Italia, Napoli beat Fiorentina 1-0 last night through... Jose Callahan with a header. It, I don't know if you watched this, Nick, but to me it seemed like it was a pretty fair result. The game was, it was pretty close, but I think Napoli just about edged it. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I do think Fiorentina did well. Um, they put on a, a pretty good show, actually. But um, yeah, I think I think Napoli deserved to go through. Um, that goal, particularly, there was. It's, I do like I do love watching that police score. It was a great little play in Signe to Hamsick and then across to Callahan to finish it. So um, yeah, but a, a fair result as you said, I think. Yeah, I was I was watching the game last night and I think I put up a tweet just saying that that was Napoli at their absolute best. That thirty seconds or however long it was for that goal, it yeah. was all one-two touch football, quick break, so yeah, cool. incisive, and they were just. It's hard to stop them when they get like that. So the two results do see Napoli play Juventus in the semi-finals, which take place the first week in March. Um, elsewhere in the Coppa Italia, Inter play Lazio and Roma play Cesena next week to see who will progress and possibly meet Napoli or Juve in the final. So we're going to stick with Napoli. Um, they were also at their best for half an hour at least in Serie A when they beat Milan 2-1 at the weekend they I think it's fair to say they were excellent um, for the first half hour and probably should have been out of sight they are starting to prove me wrong um, and I think they're really starting to reinforce what you have always said Nick to be fair do you think that a Scudetto challenge is possible or is that still a little bit too much for them? Yeah, I, I really wish I could say it is possible, but I, I'm still, I'm I'm still just seeing Juventus just too much ahead this season. Um, I think I think I might have mentioned it in another week, but I do think they're they're building a team that can possibly challenge for next season, though, um, adding a bit of depth to the to their squad. So um, yeah, not quite yet, but as you said that. Um, I, I did think coming into the game, actually, that um, I think I'd even put a couple of tweets out about Milan's defence and the goals that Napoli had scored um, in their last six or seven matches. And I just thought, 
Napoli could really put them to the sword. And I was actually watching with uh, a friend of mine that is a Napoli supporter. So, you know, the first 10, 20 minutes, we were very much, you know, I must say I was enjoying it. Um, You know, not only because I'm an Inter fan, but I mean, just watching Napoli when they're playing like that is incredible. I, Mm. I love it. It's not even when they're scoring the goals, but just the way they tap it around in the midfield with Hamsik up to Insigne. And it's, it's beautiful to watch. It is just for the football. So, you know, and it did look like it was going to get very embarrassing for Milan. So it, it was an odd game because just, just with the click of a finger, it just kind of turned on its head. And then it's hard to see how or why it happened, but yeah, it was a bit of an odd one. Yeah. Sticking with, Napoli just for an extra few minutes when they play like that I don't think there's anybody in Serie A who are more enjoyable to watch is there uh, Roma can play some good stuff at times and they're great going forward when everyone's in full flow but there's just something about Napoli especially I know they didn't this weekend but especially when they play at the San Paolo and the crowd get behind them there's something a bit special about watching them play yeah 100% and that's the kind of football you think Geez, if they were showing up every week and put, putting on, you know, maybe not 90 minutes, but even 60, 70 minutes of that, then then you talk about the Serie A then. Well, you know, the Scudetto challenge is very much possible because that's just – it's some of it's just impossible to defend even. You look at it and you're like, you know what, fair play. That's – you'd take a goal against you because it's, it's just beautiful to watch and under, undefendable sometimes. So – I think that's what they're building towards, and I think we we keep seeing those glimpses, which I think get us a bit excited, but I think we need to just um, be patient with that one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we've we've learned before not to get on board with the Napoli hype too soon, exactly. but with Lorenzo Insigne as kind of someone who epitomises that himself, he's... When he puts in performances like he did this week, it's just... It makes his disappointing games all the more frustrating because you see what he's capable of but then I think he just doesn't show up a bit too often and I'm hoping that if Napoli continue to build for next season he can start to find some consistency and even carry that over to the Italy side as well but I thought something that was strange about this game and there was a statistic that stood out to me was that this was actually the lowest share of possession that Napoli have had all season. It was just over 40%. And as good as they were for the first half hour, they still they had to win ugly in the end. And Maurizio Sarri came out and he was kind of taking the positives from this by saying, we showed we knew how to win while suffering. It's the first time that's happened since I've been here, so I'm happy. And I suppose that is another way to look at it because so often when they're not quite at the races the result doesn't go their way and this time it did they were great for half an hour but then as you say it's hard to really pinpoint why but they just kind of lost it a little bit but they still managed to hold out to to win which makes them serious contenders for a top three place as to be fair you have said all along yeah 100 percent. it's as you said it's um it's very odd to see them kind of not dominated but you know i mean getting um, seeing their opposition getting the uh, the majority of possession like that, you mentioned it was their lowest 
possession of the season. And the only other actual game that they were under 50% was against Juventus. And that was, I think, 48%. So this was very much down on um, any kind of game that they would usually play week in, week out. And not only that, it was actually their lowest um, pass success rate in Serie A this season as well. So clearly they were, they were, as Sari said, they were off their game. They were suffering. Um, and, you know, they did hang on. So I think, yeah, definitely there, there's always positives to take from a win like that, I think. It's it's easy to take uh, positives when you're winning four or five nil, but it's it's the ones the victories that where you're battling every minute until the the last whistle blows. They're the they're the ones that really kind of I guess you learn from more than anything. So um, yeah, it, but to the, to the game itself, it was um, it seemed like Napoli. I'm mean, sorry, Milan was really tr- trying to put pressure on Napoli earlier in that the first half hour and it looked like Napoli were dealing with it and just kind of passing around them. And it didn't, I don't, I don't, to me, it didn't seem like Milan really changed much. They kept going and seemed to keep trying to put the pressure on Napoli. And then all of a sudden it just got to them, it seemed like. And then what they were doing a minute ago, just it wasn't happening and they were giving it away with some, just some poor giveaways at the back in midfield. So, um, it, it was very strange that it just did, happened so suddenly. But, you know, some credit should go to Milan for that, um, no doubt, for Vincenzo Montella, even with the the way they, I guess, to go down so early and so quickly 2-0, um, it would be very easy to lose your head. So I guess the mentality, yes, they didn't win or get a result from it, but the mentality to not only stay in the game but actually make a game of it and, it looked like they could have got a result for a lot of the game. Um, you know, it's big credit for them. And as I mentioned, they, to, to keep pressuring Napoli, uh, a team that, would, that, that has the potential to hit you so hard and so quickly, you know, a lot of credit f- uh, for the way they went about that, I, I must say. Yeah, they've played, that's their fifth game. Or either that was their fifth game or the Coppa Italia game in the week was their fifth game of the year and they've won all five so they really are on a on an upward trajectory at the moment but on the other side of that Milan who of their last five games have only picked up five points after performing quite well and above expectations they're starting to crash a little bit down to earth it would seem um, do you think the wheels are starting to come off there that's including the Juve game tonight They've gone two 0 down in their last three games. <laughs> well, I hate to be the one that says, you know, if you say I told you so, I'm cutting your <laughs> mic off. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been sitting here, just tapping my fingers together, just waiting, just waiting, <laughs> sitting patiently, and it's um, it feels good, Connor. I must say, it feels good. No, but um, you know, the, I. I don't think with Milan, I don't think the wheels are falling off because going along with what I had said before, I think their results were saying a lot more than what the way they were performing in that the way they're going about their games, it's just not a sustainable way, a way to go about it and get victories on a week-to-week basis. And that's that's not a criticism of Montella or the squad. That's just Montella doing what he can with that squad. 
So that's fine. I don't see a problem with that. But that's the thing. It just wasn't sustainable. And they were all always, for my, in my opinion anyway, they were always going to have these periods where they would struggle. And as soon as the heads kind of go down, it makes those victories a lot harder to get when, when they play a game like Milan does. So, you know, I don't, I don't think they're going to crash and burn by any means. I think they're, um, to be honest, I, I do think the top five's kind of set at the moment. I don't think they'll be able to push back up to there, you know, which I know they have a game in hand and they're only two points behind Inter, but I do think they're kind of around where they are likely to finish in terms of fighting for that kind of sixth position with a couple of those other teams like Fiorentina, Torino. Can't think of anyone else really. <laughs> um, there's a team in sixth <laughs> at the moment that I think you, if you listened to last week's podcast, you would admit to having some positive feelings for no? yeah no no it would be nice if Atalanta could could secure that and why not we'll talk Maybe about if, those a little yeah, bit later but yeah we'll move down towards them I think um, sticking with Milan they brought in Gerard Gelafeu this week uh, forgive me for that butchering of his name but <laughs> I think what do you make of this signing because personally I think it's a little bit strange he's been known to have a bit of a bad history with Suso. They might have come through the same academy together, but they've always been in direct competition for the same space, and apparently they don't get on too well. So do you think this is a bit of a, a ridiculous or an unusual decision to bring in De La Feu when Suso has been one of, if not Milan's best player this year, and they risk kind of unsettling him? Yeah, it is definitely strange when you look at the the positioning, as you mentioned, where, I mean, if you look at Milan this season and you were to pick one position where they're pretty much set and you're happy with that, you know, probably other than the goalkeeper, obviously, you would probably say right wing with yeah, Suso there, given his form. So you'd think in going into January, it's it's strange that that's the kind of position they were looking for, or you know maybe it was just one of those things where an opportunity came up and they thought, well, yeah, why not? Um, but I mean, I, I discussed in a, one of the YouTube videos for FIF TV. Um, so if anyone wants to go have a look on YouTube, please feel free. Um, but I, I guess um, I, th- I don't I don't think it's he's being bought there to to compete with Suso. Um, I did mention he he has um, played a few games, not many, mind you, but he has played some games on the left wing and in a centre forward position. So I can only assume, particularly with Niang, by uh, Niang, well, I think he actually confirmed today that he's going to Watford on loan. So particularly with him going now, it looks like there will be uh, some space on the left, possibly of um, of Baka. So maybe that's what they were kind of looking at to to provide a more uh, – they've been playing Bonaventura in that more advanced position, so maybe having De La Feu, um in the more advanced position and then Bonaventura just kind of behind him on the left wing. So, um, you know, he he does have that direct style of play um, which could assist Milan, but, yeah, it, it is it's – hard, it's hard to know how, how Montella is going to fit him in. Um, I can only imagine that it is going to be on that left wing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, 
it is a bit strange. I, I'll I'll give you that. Uh, you'd think there was surely a few more other positions that were Milan are in more need of at the moment. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. I think on the left is where he will play, and Bonaventura will probably drop back into a midfield three. Um, but and if they do, that's quite a good attacking left hand side they've got there with Bonaventura and Diallo linking up. But we'll move away from Milan now and on to Roma against Cagliari. Edin Dzeko scored. Um, it's his first goal since Christmas and only his second since the start of December. Especially with Mohamed Salah being absent, which we've spoken about a fair bit on the podcast already. Um, how important do you think it is for Dzeko to refine his early season form? Um, well, I mean, no, no doubt it is important that he's scoring the goals because we saw when he is and how that affects the team last season. So it is very important. But, um, you know, it's, I don't know. Deco's a hard one because you, you do start to worry with him because you think, you know, I could ima- only imagine for Roma fans, you think as soon as he gets one or two games without a goal, he does seem like the player where, it would play on his mind and it would affect him. So you'd kind of be wanting him to score as, you know, at least every one or two games just to kind of get that confidence at a decent level. Cause I think he, he can very much get his head down. And when that happens, things don't go right for him. So, yeah, we've seen that consistently throughout his career. Haven't we that yeah. when he's, when he's on form and he's scoring goals regularly, he is a, he's a very good striker and he's, He's to be feared, really, if you're coming up against him. But once he starts to, once he stops scoring goals, rather he, he's he's really bad. And I do <laughs> often worry. Well, worry is probably not the right word, but you know, if for a Roma fan, I do worry that they lack a bit of depth in a central attacking position. They've got a a lot of these flair players going forward who can create chances and run at defenders but with regard to players who can actually finish off all these chances that are being created I think you need a little bit more than just Jacko in your ranks yeah 100% in the center forward is definitely where where they have it seems like no depth at all really it's just kind of Jacko as an out and out striker so um yeah it's a it's a hard one for Spalletti in terms of yeah. I guess that's one of his things he's been building with this season in, in trying to, instead of relying on Zeko to be finishing, have that that attacking kind of pyramid or four of them when when they're playing the three and the one at, at front, actually working as a team together where it, even if Zeko isn't scoring, he's still contributing to that, to those four, to the wingers coming up and possibly scoring or Nangolin coming from midfield and putting putting in goals as he has been this season as well. So um I think I think he is well, I mean he is trying to build that attacking kind of team as much as possible. Um just I think yeah as you mentioned with the whole Salah thing that kind of makes it a lot more difficult and does put mount the pressure straight back on Jekko. I think that's really the the only thing here. So, you know, I don't think it's any massive thing at the moment. I think with Roma at the moment, and you can kind of see the way Spalletti's going into games in terms of um, 
having that three four two one now um, kind of which is almost a bit reserved the way they're going into matches. Um, I mean, particularly when you look at going in against Cagliari, with all due respect to Cagliari, I mean, um, Roma should be putting a lot of goals past them quite easily. So, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's interesting that they've gone away from 4-2-3-1 for these kind of games. And I think it is just kind of Spalletti recognizing that, okay, it's likely it is it will be a tough period and we will struggle. And he seems to be happy to just kind of scrape through games at the moment and they have been so you know full credit to them and I think hopefully the likes of Jekko for Roma's sake um can see can see that it's not just about him at the moment at least so and can keep his confidence up yeah well they will be without Mohamed Salah for a little bit longer because Egypt topped their group in the Africa Cup of Nations and I think their next game is on Saturday or Sunday against Morocco in the quarterfinals um, but their problems up top have kind of been um, compensated for by tightening up a lot at the back. We've been very critical of Roma's defence, not only this season, but last year on the podcast. And pretty much for as long as I can remember being aware of Roma, they've had defensive problems. But that's the fourth consecutive clean sheet for the Giallarossi. And it wasn't just us, but a lot of people were kind of criticising Spalletti and his defensive problems. But it looks like he's sorted their issues now. Do you think this is sustainable as the season goes on? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, their defence, and I, I can remember. I mean, it was almost a, a weekly saga where on the podcast we just basically put crap on Roma's defence. <laughs> yeah. That's how bad it was. It, you know, it was... Even when they were winning, it was awful. So, um, and going into this season, I'm pr- I'm fairly sure we, um, at some point, there were discussions that, I mean, really, when when you look at the on on paper, 
it's still not – I mean, it doesn't look like a great defence to me. I mean, you don't look at it and get a lot of confidence that they're going to be stopping a lot of goals. But full credit to Spalletti, he's, he's made it work. Um, and as you said, this run of clean sheets was basically unheard of last last year. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure if it's sustainable. I definitely think going into, I mean, looking ahead to next season already, obviously we're still in January, but I think they will be looking to um, add some um, some recruits there. But um, for for at least this season, it seems like they've kind of got it where they need to be. Um, to get through the rest of the season. So, yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of an odd one, but it's working. Yeah, one of the... There's another stat that I'm going to refer to, and this one was remarkable, I couldn't believe it, is that Nangalan and Fazio, Fazio have the best tackle success rate in Serie A this season with 93% success rate, which you've kind of... It's not too surprising to see Nangalan there, but Fazio is... Fazio's, yeah. That's a shock for me. It really was. And yeah. we'll move on from Roma now and we'll let you speak with joy for the next couple of minutes because João Mario fired Inter to a 1-0 win at Palermo. That's their In all competitions, it's their eighth consecutive win and four of these have seen Inter keep clean sheets. João uh, Mario scored, as I said, do you think he's another player benefiting from Gagliardini's arrival? We spoke about the benefits on Condogbia last week. And with Gagliardini coming in, Jean Mario has been pushed up the pitch with a little bit more license to attack. Do you think this is allowing us to now see the best in Mario? I think so. I mean, I think that's where he, he prefers to be playing a bit a bit more up front. He was really kind of playing deeper as a necessity for Inter because they just didn't have anyone to really adequately fill that gap, really. Um, so, yeah, 100%. I, he did start the game, um, I think it was the week before last, and he, he was he didn't have his best game, but um, he came on um, in this match against Palermo and, um, you know, well, I mean, obviously he made the difference with the goal, but I think he did see... Uh, how how the likes of a, a Gagliardini and um, can can actually affect him in terms of having someone that's going to be doing the the to and fro between the boxes to allow the likes of a Gian Mario to have a bit of a license, as you mentioned, to to roam and do what he needs to do to try and um, push forward and 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 help the attack basically. So yeah, it's. It's very interesting, and to be honest, I've very much uh, underrated the potential effect that the likes of Gagliardini could have on this team. But, um, I mean, there's been some stats on him already about uh, how his, his stats basically for the first two Serie A matches, his interceptions, his, um, they're incredible, basically, for someone who's just come from Atalanta, with, and I don't mean that with any disrespect. <laughs> To, to the to Inter, a team with so much pressure on it to to perform at the top level and to be performing like it's like it's he's been doing it for five years. It's it's incredible so far. And you know, I don't I don't want to heap too much praise on him, yeah, because it's still very early days. But it's he's been incredible. I can't I can't think of a better way to sum him up. Really, I mean, I'm, I'm 
probably sure that you know more than anyone how good of a player he actually he actually is. Well, I remember when he signed. We, I'm gonna bring you crashing back down a little bit now because you were bigging yourself up for a prediction earlier. But when he signed, you were kind of saying that he's not really the type of midfielder that Inter need. When maybe this is the exact type of midfielder Inter need to get the best out of the others they have there. But yeah, well. We knew he was good, but I'm surprised as well with just how easily he settled in. He started straight away, and he's really hit the ground running there. But I don't really want to talk about Inter for too much longer, Nick, because I'm sure everyone else out there is sick of hearing us talk about them this year, but they just keep giving us stuff to talk about, I suppose. Um, Bologna beat Torino 2-0, and I suppose... This was kind of the shock of the round in that you kind of expect Torino to be beating teams like Bologna who were really struggling before this game. Um, Torino were without Andrea Bellotti and they looked really blunt. A problem Inter have had this year is that they've been too reliant on Mauro Icardi, which they seem to be coming through. But do you think that problem is also applicable to Torino and Bellotti. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that it would have an effect, particularly with um, quite a young team, particularly going forward, I guess. Um, the, I think I think just losing that kind of player, just the confidence alone it would take, just walking onto the pitch, you'd, you could imagine just feeling so much more confident with an Andrea Bellotti, who's been, you know, what, 14 goals, three assists um, this season so far. With that kind of player walking on beside you, I mean, the, the amount of confidence you just get from that, um, knowing the type of player he is and how, how easily he can finish something off, there's no doubt that, that that adds a lot to a team, and particularly a young team. So there is that element. Um, but in saying that... Um, I mean, look, to be honest, Torino haven't been in the best form anyway. So um, I guess they are still, I, th- I think it's more so that they're just in that kind of rough patch. And then Bellotti was just kind of the, just adding to the woes, I guess. So it's what, one win in their last seven Serie A matches. So they they have been struggling of late and um, it's going to be a bit of a challenge to get them back to where they were Um earlier in the season when they were getting stringing wins together. Um, I think they did three in a row on two occasions. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they get out of this one. Yeah, they have slipped down the table a little bit. They're, they're ninth at the moment with 30 points. And then above them is Fiorentina on 33, then Milan on 37, and in sixth place, Atalanta on 38. So there is a bit of a gap forming there already, which, being realistic, Torino are probably in the same bracket this season as Atalanta and Fiorentina, and they're trying to. It'll probably be the three of those battling it out for the best of the rest after the top five. Um, so we touched on Atalanta there. They are still going. They're sixth above Milan, although Milan do have a game in hand. I've spoken about them a fair bit this year and I know the listeners are probably as fed up as you and Luca have been at points, but I'm going to throw it over to you. You admitted a bit of a soft spot for them last week, so I'm going to pounce on that weakness and 
<laughs> I want to know, like, when will you, people from outside of the little bubble, take them seriously <laughs> as European hopefuls? Um, as European hopefuls for this season? Well, right, top five. Do you think that is achievable? As things stand, they're for, one for point this... off Inter in fifth. This season, I think a top five is virtually impossible for Adelaide. Okay. And I mean that with all due respect. Um, as I said, I think, I really think the top five as it is, is pretty much secure in that it'll be those five teams. Um, I do think Adelanta, if they can continue that kind of form, can compete with Milan, possibly, and Fiorentina for that sixth place um you know so whether that could possibly work out um to be a europa place or not so putting your inter bias aside do you have you see it as inter have the top five kind of nailed on there do you not see milan atalanta fiorentina challenging them at all no um not really no um you know, maybe maybe it is. I mean, even before Inter went on this run, I I did kind of think that Inter would only be better this half of the season. They would only improve on their first half. Um, you know, I just can't see us. I can't see them being any worse than what they were. So um, to finish the position, the first half of the season where they were, I think was quite good considering what's happened. So um, I, you know. I mean, it looks like, you know, it'll be Inter and Lazio battling for fourth and fifth, really, for me. Um, I just, I just, I don't know, I just can't see Milan, Fiorentina being that kind of as consistent. I mean, you know, I don't want to go on about those six wins in a row or anything, but to be able to do that, I mean, the last time Inter even did that was in November 2012. So, I mean, it's no mean feat. Um, you know, when you put aside the Juventus and possibly the Napoli Romans of the world. But I just can't see a Milan or a Fiorentina or Atalanta doing that in modern Serie A at the moment anyway. So, and I think that's the difference um, between them. I, you know, I, I could be wrong. But no, it's fair enough. When we did the, um, the mid-season predictions, even me and all my blind faith in the club, I predicted that Atalanta would finish eighth this year. So I'm just kind of enjoying it while it's going on and not trying my hardest not to expect it to continue because that will probably only lead to disappointment. But, um, but I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll stick up for Atalanta because, you know, they are Nerazzurri technically. So, <laughs> I mean... You look at the, the the last four matches that they've dropped points, whereas against Lazio, AC Milan, Juventus, and then, okay, Udinese, we can kind of write that one off. That was it a wasn't freak the... result as well. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you consider that. When you look at that, they're all, what, top four or five teams at, at the time Atalanta played them. And every other game they've won. They've beat Empoli, they've beat Chievo, they've beat Sampdoria. And they're the games that... I mean, they're the games that you need to be winning if you want to push for those Europa kind of positions. And they're the games that Atlanta has been winning all season. 
and then some by beating Inter, by beating Napoli, by beating whoever else they beat in Roma. Um, so Torino would be a really interesting game. Um, probably a good time for Atlanta to be playing them, really, and that would really kind of put an even bigger dent in that gap. So there's no by their results, there's no reason, and particularly given the the talent that they have lost, um, not only through Gagliardini but with Kessie and African Nations Cup. So you know, there's there's a lot to like about what they're doing, and if they continue it, I'd, you know, I'd, I really think they can challenge AC Milan for for the kind of sixth place at least. Yeah, I think. One thing that sticks out as a potential problem for me is there's a bit of a lack of depth up front. Uh, Andrea Patania has been very good. He's only scored four goals, but he offers a lot and he he really brings Papu Gomez into things a bit more. But Alberto Pulaski has done nothing. Even when he's played, he's not looked like his former self and he could even be on his way out before the January window closes. But since we made those predictions, I have kind of become a little bit more confident than predicting an eighth place finish. I can see Fiorentina are still a bit, they don't quite convince me. I know they beat Juventus, but so did Genoa. But uh, no, Fiorentina just don't quite convince me. And Nikola Kalinic has been praised as this world beating striker in recent weeks, but he just isn't. Oh, just he was, I think, being rumored with a forty million euro move to China for insane. for Nikola Kalinic. I mean, come on. I, I did I did feel like when this whole Kalinic kind of thing blew up with the transfer, I I kind of thought I was the one that was a bit crazy there because you see a lot of people going on about him and wanted to say the ass top. Forwards, and I'm, I was just thinking to myself, and you know, I don't mean to harp on, you know, speak negatively of Fiorentina or anything, but Kalinic as a striker, I just, I don't see it. He he has those um, periods where he can look great, but he's so inconsistent, and at times just looks awful. So I, I really do not get the whole thing with Kalinic. Um, if I was Fiorentina, I'd be looking for a very a consistent striker to fill that void um you know and not to say that they should just take 40 million mid-season because i don't i don't like the whole someone who has been central to a team i don't i don't really believe in taking them out mid-season that's never really helpful to a team but you know if that came around in the summer period then geez yeah absolutely just snap their hands off if someone puts even half of that on the table for kalinic and it just he just popped into my head. I was thinking of possible replacements, and you know, Pulaski might not be the worst person to go for. He he's probably worth taking a gamble on. He's proven he can do it in Serie A before, and it, for whatever reason, probably through partially at least through lack of opportunities this year, it's just not working for him at Atalanta. But I wouldn't be half surprised if he went somewhere. Be it this week or in the summer, and he becomes a success in Serie A again. Um, uh, again, on the bright side for Atalanta, Frank Kessie and the Ivory Coast have been knocked out of the Africa Cup of Nations, <laughs> so the big man is on his way back. And yeah, on that note, Nick, I'm gonna thank you, and we'll 
we'll wrap it up for this week before my voice just completely caves <laughs> in. I, I hope it sounded okay. So before we do go, I would like to point all of our listeners in the direction of our YouTube channel where Nick, you and Vieri are continuing to produce some really good videos. You spoke about the Jellafeu one earlier. Have you got anything coming up that they should keep an eye out for? Yeah, well, uh, Vieri's still in um, getting along with the, the transfer videos, which are every day or every other day at least. So, um, And then we're, we're trying to do some um, kind of post-match stuff as well. So... Whenever we can, we will try and uh, do a, a kind of Google Hangout where we'll actually live stream ourselves discussing a match that's just happened or something. Um, and, yeah, basically any other big moves that happened or any kind of controversy or something, that we'll be covering that. I'll be giving my opinion and asking for the viewers' opinions as well. So, um, you know, uh, encouraging anyone to go there, have a listen, um, agree with me, disagree with me, tell me I'm an idiot. I'm more than happy for you to do so. But um, just um, get there, get engaging and try and um, build a bit of a, a, a um, yeah, a, a nice little set of channel for us. Yeah, definitely. I would encourage anyone to go on there and call Nick an idiot. He's, <laughs> it's an enjoyable thing to do and he takes it better than most. So just... Remember that you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram as well as on YouTube. Just search Forza Italian Football on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter we are at Serie A FFC. If you're feeling a bit extra generous, you can head over to patreon.com, search for Forza Italian Football again and donate what you can to help us keep the podcast and the YouTube channel running. A few people have donated already, so thank you so much to those of you who have. And honestly, even as little as one or two dollars, euro, pounds or whatever per month really does help. You can follow me on Twitter at Concalcio and Nick at Nick Z Carroll. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. That's it. So signing off for myself, Nick and the rest of the guys at Forza Italian Football. We'll chat to you again next week and it's ciao for now. Mi innamorai di te, il cuore mi batteva, non chiedermi perché, di tempo ne è passato e siamo ancora qua, e oggi come allora difendo la città. Non chiedermi perché Di tempo ne è passato E siamo ancora qua E oggi come allora Ti 
tutta la città When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.